with straight talk for the whole you. We launched this podcast in July of 2014 and I want to take a moment to thank my community. You guys were awesome with the launch. Our maiden episode was The Hairy Truth, Your Hair Tells on You where we went inside a salon with Kalina Mullen in Bowie, Maryland, Pure Beauty Hair Spa, and talked about how your hair tells what's going on inside of you physiologically. So you guys go check out that episode. That's our maiden episode. I just, again, want to thank the community for rallying around the Maiden maiden episode, getting out there, listening to the podcast, doing your reviews, joining our Facebook community, House Call with Dr. Mac, the community. You guys are awesome. You're spreading the word, and we're starting conversations in our community, and that is really what it's all about. We are starting conversations to connect these dots so that you can start being a partner in whole person care, that you can go to your physicians, your healthcare providers, and you can sit down and start participating, being an active participant in whole person care. So you can follow me on Facebook, House Call with Dr. Mac. It's the community page. I'm on Twitter at RealDoc74. We tweet about the tip of the day. I want to hear your questions, your comments. You can email me at RealDoc74 at gmail.com. We're just having conversations and we're, we're having fun. So I look to hear from you. Now, today's episode is phenomenal. It was so phenomenal that we had to break it up into two episodes. My guest today is a dear friend of mine, and it's so funny when you have to introduce your friends. I remember this vibrant young lady that I met freshman year at Oakwood College, now Oakwood University. We lived on the same floor in our freshman dorm, Carter Hall. I remember saying to her after some time, we would joke around. And I said, you know what, Verletta, you're going to be in Congress. You're going to be on the floor of Congress. I just see that passion, you that drive to initiate policy to she's a mover. She's a shaker to get things done. And by golly, if you, you she's in that, she's headed in that direction. She, she, She's gotten her master's in social work from Andrews University in Bering Springs, Michigan. She was awarded all the rights and privileges of the Doctorate of Philosophy in 2003 from the University of Maryland in Baltimore. She now sits as an associate professor at Coppin University where she teaches numerous classes, um, mainly in human behavior, African-American women's studies, And her passion is women's rights, women's 
women's issues as well as the human behavior model and teaching people how they can see where this is not some theory, but it's practical and she makes it practical, guys. I really want you to listen to these episodes. I know that most of you will go and say, why do I need to know about potty training? What does that have to do with me? It has a lot to do with you as an adult, as an individual. It has a lot to do with you if you decide to take on the job of parenting. Really listen to these episodes and listen to this conversation that we're having with Dr. Bryant. She starts connecting the dots of the stages of human development and how they play a role into how you make decisions as an adult. And these decisions, in turn, can really sculpt and mold who you are as a functional, that's the key word, a functional adult in society. So remember, we're dealing with whole person care, not just the physical, but we're dealing with the total person, mind, body, spirit. So let's get started. Let's sit down. Let's have some conversations. Let's have some straight talk. Hello and welcome to House Call with Dr. Mack, where you get a real doc with straight talk for the whole you. Today we are talking with Dr. Verletta Bryant, a clinical, licensed clinical social worker, and one of my dearest, 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 dearest girlfriends. Um, and so today we are talking about human behavior. That is her specialty. That is her passion. That is her love. And you guys know what I do. I love to connect the dots so that you can start understanding your life and the ripple effect it has. Um, Verletta, Verletta, I want to start by talking about how we actually met. We met um, how many years ago? Blah, 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 years ago. Uh, at Oakwood College, freshman year, 1992. We lived Carter Hall, O-Wing, the Burbs. Third floor. Third floor, that's right. You were, that's right, that's right, that's right. And it has just been a lifelong friendship. We have grown through so much. We've grown through graduate school on two different coasts. We have grown through marriage, been in each other's weddings. And we have grown through children, growing growing through children. And this is kind of where this started because I'm in the process of potty training my two-and-a-half-year-old daughter. And it is a real challenge. It's bringing up a lot. It's bringing up a lot. And we had a pivotal conversation one day. I will never forget it impacted me so much, and this is how we came about to talk today. I, w- I just sent you a text and said, okay, I need some help with this potty training thing. Because when my son was going through potty training, I was in the clinical setting, and 
thank the Lord I had a wonderful caregiver for him from the age of six months to three years. And she basically did the potty training for me. You know, we, we supplemented at home and things, but I'm here. I'm in it. And I need a plan. I need a framework. So I just sent you a text and said, okay, what, what do you do with girls? And you started firing back all this stuff, and I just got so overwhelmed, and I just shut down. I was like, oh, my gosh. So it's really deeper than just pee and poop. I was like, wait a minute. I'm not ready for this. And you realized what I had done, so you gave me a call. <laughs> You're like, hey, don't shut down on me. And you made a statement because I said, oh, my goodness, it's so much. This is just, you know, whoa. And we're going to get into what you were educating me about with potty training and what that does for you as an individual. But you made a statement and you said the reason that um, potty training is, is a big issue and something that you need to do. And you said, and that's why you're home right now. And it just hit me like a ton of bricks, like, boof, boof, whoa, you're right. This is, this is why I'm here. I'm here to help this individual through this process to do everything you have just laid out for me. And it, that, that's why I'm here. And we're going to get through this. We're we going to get through this. Absolutely, absolutely. I think that, I think that it takes a little bit of perspective changing. Um, I think as, as just human beings, we have a tendency to um, think from our own perspective and to um, view things from, you know, our set of eyes and, and where we are in life. And so one of the things as parents that, um, so I'm, I'm a professor, so um, oh, yes. you'll hear me talk yes. about lectures, refer to lectures, and to refer to my students who are absolutely awesome and teach me so much um, so one of the things that I tell my um, students and my friends and um, is that when you become a parent in fact in my opinion if there is a definition of what a parent is mm -hmm. it is giving up your convenience card whoa because it's it's no longer about you anymore. It's about making sure that you provide a safe, nurturing environment so that that little individual can develop and grow. And in order to do that, yes, you have to sustain yourself. But that individual in many at many times will become primary um, and and that can um, that's where it can become overwhelming <laughs> yes. yeah that, 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 that's the see this is what I'm talking about you, you you bring things to the forefront of of our minds that make us stop and actually put verbiage to what we have some type of emotional awareness about well, and, and I think, you know, what ends up happening is that we have dialogues at different levels. Um, and oftentimes the dialogues that we're accustomed to having, um, they don't, they, 
a, a lot of times they're main, what I call my maintenance dialogue. So, you know, that looks like, did yeah. you get the milk? Mm-hmm. You know, do we need more? Mm. Do we pay this bill? Do, you know, there, that's one level of communication that has its place. Um, but when we when we move from that and we start having conversations, sometimes it's difficult to really define ourselves and our experience because we're so accustomed. We're we're I almost want to say that we're trained in how to perceive things and how to experience it. And we have to kind of step away from that to really get an authentic experience. And I'll give you an wow. example. Yes, please, please. Okay, so, for example, um, if we think about motherhood and if we think about parenthood, mm-hmm. um, we have strong messages. And I'm going to stick with mother because I, I just think that it, 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 it's just so, there's so many pervasive messages about what a mother is and what a mother is not. Okay. Um, and I don't care what kind of mother you had. If I say the very term mother, there's an image that's going to come into your mind. And there's an ideal that you have floating in your brain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that describes the behaviors, the actions, the role of a mother. And if we are mothers, we have a tendency to judge ourselves based on regardless our reference how, for it. regardless of how realistic or unrealistic it is it has nothing to do with it so we we have these constructs these mental constructs that are shaped by forces the media is one uh-huh. um, our upbringing is another um, our religious beliefs and values so we have all of these forces that tell us who we are and we were just talking about identity. Yeah. And what our identity is. And so some of our work is stepping away from that and saying, okay, now I know the experience that I'm supposed to be having, but what is my real experience here? And, and so here is my example. Um, you know, parenting is... Um, you're there you are you have the standard is is that it's it's this enjoyable time of life (laughs) where you know you are um it's a part of life it's just something that you do it's you know you you go to school or not um you start a family it's one of those developmental milestones Mm. and so it's a part of the happily ever after is what I refer to it as, okay? And so, you know, um, if you dare to stop and think, wow, this is exhausting, hmm. quickly thereafter, you know, you kind of get that little uncomfortable feeling, oh, but, you know, what kind of parent am, am I, I <laughs> to be girl, to actually say, say that this is exhausting? Yes, yes. I'm supposed to enjoy this. Look, I got to bond with my child at 10 o'clock at night, even though I really would like to be doing nothing, like vegging out at 10 o'clock <laughs> at night. But, you know, she got up out of the bed and said she couldn't sleep. Her nose was broken. She wasn't breathing. And so I'm, I get a chance to bond with her and, you know, put, put vapor rub on her nose. And, and, right. that, and that's because that's what a parent is, okay? Now, so, so those are the messages that we get as parents. And, and um, 
what ends up happening is that it's difficult for us to drill down, I think, and to say, okay, you know, the fact of the matter is this is the hardest job I've ever done in my life, and I've done some very hard things. The level of responsibility is high. Yes. The, the immediate payoff at times is low. Yes. Um, and then the other piece is even when there is a, a high payoff in the moment, what ends up happening is that um, because the volume and the intensity of work is so high, it does not leave you the time to experience other enjoyable things in your life. So it becomes this this all-inclusiveness yes. with, your, with your child to do what I was saying before, you know, to, to get them to... To, to help them to live a meaningful and rewarding life. And so that can be very taxing. And so there's um, a whole area of psychology that, that we refer to as positive psychology that looks at, that, that tries to define this fleeting experience called happiness. And so um, what research is showing us um, when we think about happiness, you know, some of the things that we have um, assume make us happy like money I'm going to hold out on that one I really hope that <laughs> yeah yeah no I'm kind of with you on that one <laughs> the money um being a parent those are the things that we um think um make us happy they've actually started doing some research to to try and track happiness if you will hmm. and what they have found is that happiness with uh first of all couples who are um, married and do not have children tend to be happier than um, uh, people couples who um, do have children, um, and and that's and for all of those reasons that I just that I just mentioned, and when people talk about um, raising their children and the, and the happiness that they experience, that was found to be more reflexive than in the moment. So as people uh, were interviewed, and they reflected, and they reflected back. back on all of those times, you know, um, that that now they're sitting comfortably, right? <laughs> see, going, oh, those oh, are the, the happiest times. <laughs> the kids are <laughs> out the house. <laughs> so, so, but you know, I mean, to really, so, so, what does all that mean? That that's the point. And 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 I, I guess what I'm getting at is that you know we have to balance this thing. So yes. We do give up our convenience card as parents, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's for a just and worthy cause. Yeah. You know, and I will champion that cause. I will always champion that. But at the time, at the same time, I think that we've got to do it. For me, I have found that it helps if I'm informed and if I'm balanced about it. So if if yes. I don't try to fool myself into believing that, wow, you know, I'm I. I am enjoying this process because that's what I'm supposed to do. When, in fact, I just had to wash the car seat out for the third time Speak on this it. week. <laughs> and that is not fun. Right, okay? right. And I'm really feeling like, you know, even though you're doing great potty training, I really want to throw you back into some. Right, <laughs> right, diapers, right, you know? right. Um, and so I just think that we have to really have honest dialogues about ourselves. Self mm -hmm. and and where we are in the process, if that makes any sense. Makes a there's whole a, lot. There's of a sense. book that captures it in just the title, um, and it says, 
and I may not be quoting it just right, but it says parenting, colon, um, all joy, no fun. Wow. It's an excellent book. I, I recommend that you read it. It, it talks about some of the things that I've just mentioned. I'm right. I'm jotting that down. I, I'm 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 writing voraciously. Uh, you know, you, you you made you made a statement, and I and I want us to to kind of um, delve into this. How do you balance between parenting and understanding that you know you're giving up your convenience card? It you know not fooling yourself, right. like you said, into the happily ever after, and you balance. What you describe to me as these milestones that help a person, you are literally helping a person to develop and navigate through life. And so, you know, so you do it in where's that balance? I think you do it informed and intentionally. For me, um, I was a it didn't feel as onerous for me. Once I realized why I was doing what I'm doing. That's what I'm saying. So it why, was purposeful. So let's go to this potty train. And I'm, I'm on potty training because that's, that's right, where I am. That's right, that's right. So you informed me and educated me about potty training, what it really does for a person. Can you, can you, can you explain that to us now? Tell, tell us what is potty training really doing for an individual? Okay, well, so let's start with what we kind of think of about potty training, and that is potty training is um, getting a child to, um, to be able to be independent in, toilet, in, their to- in all of their toileting needs, okay? Uh-huh. Um, and so that's the, the physical goal of toilet training but really and truly that's just at the surface okay Um, because toilet training um, is a part of the developmental process and you know in other words at however old you are you didn't just wake up and one day start walking and one day start talking nor did you wake up and one day could go to the toilet and get everything in there, you know? Yeah. Um, so all of that was a process. And so research researchers have sort of come up with these milestones where, you know, by the age of anywhere from um, nine months to 13 months, we would expect for a child or infant to be to be walking or working intensively on it mm-hmm. um, anywhere from the uh, age of one and a half to three years old um, that's when we expect and this is very loose but that's when the primary task if you can think of it as a job description of that child okay is to learn how to develop independence in toileting Eric Erickson looked at, uh, he divided human development into eight stages, and he called that stage, the second stage, which is that one and a half to um, three years of age, that potty training stage, um, he's called that autonomy versus shame and guilt. And I will just, I'll just to refresh you, there's um, one stage before that um, of which he calls um, basic trust versus mistrust. I'm starting to remember this. Yeah. From my from from my um, training with uh, psych. 
Okay, uh, yes, that yes, that yes, yes, now, now it's counting, yes, wow. So, the, so, very quickly, because, you know, his, his theory said that these perspectives, um, or these stages are linear, mm. and that they build on each other, okay? okay. So, in order to understand the second stage, we, we want to just quickly summarize the first stage, which is basic trust versus basic mistrust, which is from zero to 18 months of age. And that is where um, the infant's job or responsibility is to learn to trust others. That's, mm-hmm. we, we refer to these tasks, sometimes he referred to them as crisis. Um, and, and basically it is the central task. So if you think about what a zero to 18 month old child can do, mm-hmm. um, all, their world is, sur- is surrounding their um, mouths. They're eating and they're sucking and you know, that's the one thing that they can do. And so the way that um, this gets played out, this basic trust, learning to trust versus learning or uh, not to trust, mm-hmm. mistrust, um, happens through feeding and the caregiving of others. And I will say that if you can think of this as, don't don't think of it in dichotomous terms, like either you get it or you don't. You okay. okay. But it, it's more of a, a continuum. continuum. Mm-hmm. It really is. And we're all somewhere on this continuum. Okay. Um, so, But later in life, uh, people uh, who apply this concept of trust, and when you apply it to friends um, and intimate partners, their perspective on life is that they are more available and more likely to trust others because they were able to trust their caregiver. Wow. So it really gets into so this, this, intimate relationships. Uh-huh, so, so this is something that that translates into our lives later. These are oh, not yeah. just things that you check off a checklist as you go through zero to toddler to infant, you know, those type of states. These, no. these are things that are now building on you becoming a productive and happy, content adult. Absolutely, because remember, we're talking, we'll refer to the family our, as our family of origin. Yes. So these are the people that we have our first relationships as with mm-hmm. and so we get a blueprint as to what to expect from others based on how we interacted with our moms and our fathers wow. or our grandparents or whoever our initial caregivers mm-hmm. were and so it becomes very um, particularly in these early stages it's very significant because the way that a child or an infant meets that, I'm going to go back to task, the way that an infant meets that task has more to do with that child, that caregiver. Because understand that that child is dependent on the caregiver. Mm-hmm. Okay? So if that caregiver is responsive, if that caregiver, and remember, we're talking about patterns here, okay, patterns of behavior. We're not talking about the one time your phone is ringing and you can't get to your baby, you know, for a few seconds and they're crying and you come with your bottle later. Okay, mm-hmm. We're not talking about that. We're talking about you establish a pattern of responsiveness with your child 
with your infant. When they are wet, you change them. You're meeting their basic needs, um, their physical needs, as well as their emotional needs. Then their worldview at that little tender age, which stays with them, that foundation is that, hmm, the world is a good place. I can trust that when I cry, something good is going to happen. My needs are going to get met. Okay. Wow. So so when you think about a person that's optimistic versus pessimistic, yes. we think that some of this comes from this early stage. Okay? Really? Mm-hmm. So some of that comes from that early stage because, you know, there's just some of those people that can look at a problem and say, you know, hey, we're going to get through this. And then some people, they just, that it's a, a small capacity to be able to see any good thing. And, it, and we think some of it goes back to those early messages that they receive about, will I be cared for? Mm. You know, I've been crying I've, for hours. I've been neglected, and, and my needs weren't taken care of. And so that's how I now excuse the world that that will continue to happen. Okay. okay, we're starting to connect these dots. <laughs> so now the so second that's stage. stage. That's stage one. And the second stage um, that Eric Erickson talked about um, in his psychosocial theory of development was autonomy versus shame and doubt. And that, the big cojones in that stage, or what he referred to as the crisis of autonomy versus shame and doubt, um, is characterized from that, eight, that period of 18 months to three years old. And um, the main um, task provides children with feelings of self-worth and self-confidence. And, and that is where we tie in to toileting. Got okay, it. Because what he theorized was that if a child went through this period and the main task is, is potty training, if you have... A child that's two and a half, you you or or around this age, you will know that when whatever their main task becomes the family's main task as well. Ooh, okay. Yes, 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 it does. So, so you know, um, so their main task is to establish a sense of autonomy, and if they are successful in establishing that sense of autonomy, then they won't um, establish that sense of shame and doubt. If they're constantly downtrodden, um, if they're restricted, if they're um, um, severely uh, punished, um, then all of those things will lead them more down towards towards that continuum, continuum of shame and doubt. So when we place potty training in there, that's why I started out by saying this isn't just about the physical aspects of it. It is definitely uh, tied into our psychological development as well. And so the point is, is how can we help them, guide them through this process, and allow them to feel a sense of autonomy because the work is theirs to do. Right, right. We have to help them. We have to assist them. And sometimes, you know, they need more assistance than, you know, what they realize they need. But 
again, this is where knowledge becomes helpful, and now I'm getting back to the convenience card. Okay. Um, this becomes helpful because you also know that, you know, a two-year-old's favorite word is no. Whew. And it helps you to understand that. Now, I come from a traditional family where um, there was expectations about what you said to your parents and how it was said, okay? Speak now, on it. <laughs> um, I think I, I, I think we come from the same background. <laughs> so, you know, um, what, children falling out in the floor and having to not an option. and all that type of thing. That was not processed and seen as a developmental stage that they were going through. <laughs> that was seen as, where is the belt? Okay? Yes, yes. Um, and, yes. you know, and, and, and we survived. We're here. Right, so, right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. But, you know, more and more I really think that, you know, this, it's a new child. It's a new age. And, and, and we, our parenting styles have to have to progress yes to meet the these new beings you know that we have now and so one thing that helps is to be able to understand what your child is doing what their tasks are so that you don't personalize it because in the moment when your child's diaper is full and they take it off and throw it on the floor that is an attack against you. you. It's an attack on your time. It's an attack on cleaning. It's an attack, 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 attack. It's an attack on your your senses. It's rather older reference. Okay. You know? It's an attack. But when you understand really and truly what that statement was is, Mommy, I am trying to do this myself. I am trying to be autonomous. Then you realize, okay, so this is not the time for me to reprimand you. This is the time for me to work with you to help you come up with a solution that, you know, you'll be able to be socialized and be a productive part of community. But, you know, but but you are trying to fulfill that task. And I'm going to go back to that first task for one second and just say, I don't know if you've ever watched a child learn how to walk. Yes. But if you, the the amount of concentration, the amount of diligence that a child gives to learning how to walk before they take those first steps, they have um, looked at, they have literally uh, come up with the number of times that a child has to fall first before they take that first step. And it's, it's an astronomical number. I'll, I'll have it for you at another time. <laughs> but um, see, those are the things I would, you know, have. But anyway, um, so so that child is totally sold out to meeting that developmental need. If you look at their concentrating they're diligent they're trying to get up and feel and then they fall down and then they try to balance themselves and put that first foot it is a task it is as hard as it is the the degree of diligence that it takes for them to take that first step is equivalent to the degree of diligence that it takes for you to get that report out or that you know, to make that presentation. It takes the same amount of focus for that child to learn how to walk. And so that's why I call it their job description, okay? And so likewise, 
what they're doing when they are potty training, yes, it's the same degree of commitment. They've got to do it again and again. And remember, they are their job description is to be autonomous, which means separation from the, the parent. parent. Okay? And so that means there's going to be that challenge. There's going to be that pushback. And it's not a sign of disrespect to the parent. It's a sign of developing. I am doing, and that's why you can tap my hand, and I will look at the electrical outlet and walk towards it after and after you look at hand, you turn around and look at you and you will sit there and say no don't touch it don't touch it i will look at you slowly lower my little self let pull out my finger and still go towards it and watch you why am i defying you i am trying to separate from you that's what i am supposed to do and this sometimes this stage is referred to as the first adolescence because this stage is then repeated again when they hit puberty. And now we know that how they go through this stage, if we can get a strong foundation in this stage, I'm not saying that your teen years will be perfect. <laughs> but what I am saying is that now they have a few more blocks for their task, their developmental tasks when they're in uh, the adolescent years, and that task is identity. As they would say in my native southern tongue, y'all, this is just getting good. <laughs> Has, is the cement drying on the foundation Dr. Bryant has laid so far? If you're driving, I want you to just drive for the next five to ten minutes in silence. If you're on that treadmill, hammering out that workout, take the next five to 10 minutes and just hear the pounding of your own feet. In whatever moment you're in right now, I want you to take this moment and let the cement really set up. <laughs> because in this next show, she's gonna start building on this foundation, the house of an autonomous, functional adult in a society. <laughs> I'm really excited about this. So let's get started. Let's finish this conversation. Let's. <laughs>